more diverse today to have a rapper with us and to have a mule, all right? So anyway, Sam's going to come in uh, with uh, Slim. He's going to make his way in here. He's going to be in here for about five or ten minutes or so. So he's making his way down at this time. So appreciate Sam. He was with us about a year or so ago. And just kind of referred to him as old country Bob said he's probably the most country preacher he knows in America. And so we turn things over to him. the Mac. Man, we're going to make the Mac the poop scooper. That's what we're going to do. I've had him in, uh, this is 26 churches, and I have had two accidents, so we've already had him in here twice today. This is the third time. This is Slim, and uh, Slim is 24 years old, which is kind of old for a mule, but I take good care of him. I still own his mother. She's 30 years old. Slim is an accident. Slim's mother is a beautiful quarter horse mare. She's 14, two hands, 1,100 pounds, beautiful head. I've always, I've raised quarter horses, my family and I, all my life, and used them to rope with and cut with and barrel horses and running horses. Slim's mother, I roped on her. She is an outstanding using horse. And I was involved with the, uh, Team pinnings and rodeo revivals and rodeo uh, uh, ministry, and we we competed in Oklahoma and we won Oklahoma, so we got to go to the nationals, and that was in Rio Doso, New Mexico. And while we were out there, the the place where we competed was out in the country, out in the desert. And that night, I I tied his mother to the side of the trailer like I do him, and we went to the motel. And when we left, I heard these burros braying in the distance. You know what a burro sounds like. And I never dreamed that that burro would come down there and date his mother. <laughs> Nine months later, I went out to feed his mother on April the 1st, 1995, and there stood Slim. And I thought, what in the world will I do with a mule? I didn't even like mules. I'd always been told a mule lived to be 50 years old just to hurt you. And so I, I told my wife, what am I going to do with him? She said, I don't know. And my daughter fell in love with him. And you know when you girls fall in love with something, you're going to bring it home and keep it, you know. So I had to keep him. And when he was two years old, well, I got to watching him, and he traveled so pretty. You know, a horse kind of plods when they walk. And he'd just go around everywhere, you know. And when he was not even two years old, I saddled him one day and drove him and put this same bridle right here, different heading, but this same bridle on him. And I sensed him up there, you know. And I thought, well, I believe I can just ride him. I just got on him and rode him off. And I've been riding him ever since, 24, 22 years. I didn't think he would be any value to me, but he's become a very valuable asset for me. I live in the mountains of Oklahoma, and I'm a hunter. I coon hunt, squirrel hunt, bear hunt, deer hunt. I also have a farm and have some cattle, and I use them for that. If, if, if I'm going to go rope something big and mean, I'm going to take him. I got quarter horses, but I'm going to take him. 
and I'm going to put my good saddle on him, and I'm going to go, and I can trust him. He's dependable. But I also use him. I like to hog hunt. How many of you ever been hog hunting? Wild hog. We got a bunch of old Russian hogs. I hear y'all are getting more all the time. If you, if, if you get after a hog with your dogs, they're going to bay him. And then you're going to send a bulldog in there, and he's going to catch him by the ear. Then I'm going to ride in there on old Slim right on top of him, and I'm going to rope him right around his tushes. And Slim's going to sit back and hold him, and you better get out of the way. And I'm going to get off and get him by the back leg, and I'm going to put this on one of his back legs, and then I'm going to pull this up along about right in here somewhere, and I'm going to put it on one of his front legs. And then we're going to hook this onto the breech and on the back of this saddle, and we're going back to the pickup at a high rate of speed. <laughs> or if, if somebody in my community kills a deer and you can't get a pickup in there to him or a four-wheeler in there to him, well, I'm going to ride Slim in there, and I'm going to put that rope around his back leg. We're going to pull him up in this, that dead deer. We're going to pull him up in this saddle. We're going to tie him off and turn him loose and get out of the way because he's going back to that pickup at a high rate of speed. He's a very valuable asset to me, and I've always wanted to make sure when I go to heaven that he gets to go to heaven with me because I can't imagine being in heaven without him being with me. So I talked to him about being saved, and he acts the same way to Mac as most other people I talk to about being saved. He never responds. But I thought, well, I'll baptize him. So how in the world am I going to do that? Well, one night I was, had a coon tree on the side of a mountain, and I was trying to get to him. It's a strange place, and I didn't really know where I was. And we started up this trail, and then we dropped off this trail, and it's a steep dude. Well, if you've ever rode a horse in the mountains, a horse gets top-heavy. And he starts over, and he's, he's, he wants to get his, his, his butt, wants to pass his head. The only way I know how to say it. And, 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 and he'll have to go sideways and scotch himself going down a real steep mountain. But this mule, he gets down like this right here, right down does the Pentecostal shuffle. Gets down there, you get back and you get a hold of his tail. Get you a tail hold. Kick your feet loose from that saddle. Get back in there and get to floating with him. Well, we're going down this, and all of a sudden we stopped, and we were hung up in a hog wire fence. And I didn't know what to do, so I cut my, got my docks out, and I cut that fence, and we go to sliding, and we slide and slide and slide, and then we fall. And we fall, and we fall, and we fall. And then splash, we fall into the Arkansas River. He goes under and I go under. My boots feel full of water and I can't swim. I'm going to drown. But I still got a hold of this rain. And I get a hold of his tail. And I tell him, you're going to have to get us out of here. And he, I thought he would go downstream, but he went upstream. And all of a sudden, I felt him touch the ground. I thought, hallelujah. And we made it. And so he saved me. And then because he got baptized, I saved him. So we're both saved together. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. All right, come get him, sis. Come get him and take him out of here now. Thank you. I met this lady at a garage sale yesterday, and she's become a bona fide mule wrangler. Woo, look out now. Ha <laughs> ah.
See you later, Slim. Tell Slim bye. <sighs> when I looked at that mule, I saw no value in him. But I took a chance on him. There are people that looked at me, and there are people that look at you. They saw no, no value in you, but God took a chance on you. God looked at you, and he saw that you had value to him, that you were valuable to him. And the scripture says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God made you, created you. And then God gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that for whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And for most of us in this room, we've been born again into God's family. At some time or another, we've made a profession of faith and we've possessed Jesus and our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If we were to die, heaven would be our home. And that's an incredible thing to know that you know that you've given your life to Jesus and that he has come to take permanent residence inside of your life and that he has taken your name and he has written it in the Lamb's book of life. And that gives you the guarantee with the earnest money paid that heaven will be your home. The sad thing to me today is so few of us are investing in anyone's life that we see who has little value. Churches will invest in people's lives who are clean and neat and pretty. We get up of a morning, our pretty houses, put on our pretty clothes, get in our pretty vehicles, drive to our pretty churches, listen to a pretty preacher, preach a pretty message. And I can tell you're a fine people, but I want you to know this world is a messed up place. There's, there's not a family left that, that, that does not have at least one loved one who is addicted to a prescription drug or alcohol or heroin or meth or, or some kind of mind-altering substance. Many of us have children and grandchildren and their, their lives are just jacked up. I mean, they're a screwed up bunch. And you can't melt them nor pour them in this church because they don't fit. They feel out of place and they feel judged. And yet someone needs to invest in their lives. Had I not invested in Slim's life, had I not kept him, had I got rid of him, I would have missed the 24 years so far blessing. And many of us, we don't see the need to invest in people's lives. That's the pastor's place. That's the staff's place. 
We don't see the need that when we go to a ball game or a pig show or play golf or we go to a concert or we go to a restaurant or we're standing in line at Walmart, we don't look at people and see that they could be valuable to God. He's got tattoos. He's got long hair. He's got earrings. He's dressed differently than me. His sins are different than mine. He don't act like me or look like me or smell like me or walk like me or talk like me. And so I'm just not going to invest in his life unless he's someone that I can see could be valuable. I'm telling you this morning, church, the whosoever is valuable. Everyone. It don't matter what color they are. It don't matter what side of the tracks they live on. It don't matter who they are. They're valuable. I got this friend named Donnie Day. Had the privilege to lead him to the Lord a few years ago. Donnie don't speak well. He's bashful. He's shy. He's a drug addict and an alcoholic. His life's messed up. But he gets saved and he wants to do something for God. So I helped him. We started a little church up in the mountains and He's done well there, but let me tell you what his ministry is. He carries a cross into a nightclub or a bar and preaches the gospel. He called me the other day. He said, I, I want you to meet me down at Albion. We're going to go to the Albion bar. I said, Donnie, me and you is white and that place is black. You asking me to go to a black bar with you, a white man, and me, a white man? He said, yeah, go with me. Uh, I love him, so I thought, well, we'll try this on for size. <laughs> we carry this big old cross in there, in this bar. You know what they do in bars? Dark in there. <laughs> Scary. We stand this cross up. He said, get right here beside me. He's 6'6", six, six, 300 pounds. Praise Jesus. <laughs> he stands his cross up and just stands there. Nobody's looking at him, kind of like a calf staring at a new gate. He begins to sing. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. They begin to put their beer underneath the table, put their beers in their pocket, put their cigarettes in their pocket. When he got their attention, he said, I want to tell you about a man who died on his cross and shed his blood and gave his life. And though your sins was black like scarlet, his red shed blood would wash those sins white like snow. And if you'll give your life to Jesus, this man, Jesus, that died on this cross, he'll take away all your sins and make you a brand new creation. He'll deliver you from the lifestyle you're in. And he'll make you a brand new person and begin to use you in a dynamic way. Now, we didn't have anybody come that day but we made an impact. And if God could use Donnie Day that successfully in a bar, then he could use you some way or another. But you've got to make yourself available.
You've got to come up with that boldness. And time is short and hell is hot. And Jesus is soon to return. And our churches are doing very little to make an impact on our society because we just don't have that compassionate move toward the multitudes. You've got to get people up and you've got to invest in their lives. I love the Mac here. I'm the biggest hillbilly in the world around the Mac. He, he from Dallas. But we both love Jesus. And that's what matters. <clears throat> when I was pastoring at Tishomingo many years ago, one of my deacons came and said, I have a friend I want you to go see. His name is Roy. He said, Roy is a very messed up man. He lives two miles south. There's a big tree on the side of the road. And you go one mile east, and there's a bunch of rocks and a trailer park. And you go down to the trailer park, and there's an old white Ford pickup setting up on blocks. And Roy lives at that trailer where that pickup is. Well, in Johnson County, every corner has a tree and every corner has a pile of rocks. And every trailer park has an old Ford pickup setting up on blocks. I guess they make them like that where when they don't run no more, you can still mow under them. I don't know. <laughs> but I finally found Roy's house. This was the nastiest house I've ever been to. This yard was nasty. This house was nasty. This mobile home was one nasty dude now. I walk up on this nasty porch and knock on this nasty door, and the dirtiest man I've ever seen in my life came to the door. His hair stood straight up on his head. His beard was full of whatever he'd been eating for several days. He had one tooth right in front of his head, and it was just as yellow as a yellow dog. His clothes was the dirtiest clothes I've ever seen. I told him who I am. I'm, I'm Brother Sam. I'm down there at the church. I've come up here to talk to you about giving your life to Jesus. He said, well, c come on in. Talk with a stutter. And we went in and sat down and he invited his wife and daughter in there and they were just as dirty as him. And we sat down there and he offered me a cup of coffee out of the dirtiest cup I have ever seen. I said, Jesus, you're going to have to help me with this one right here and give me some divine intervention or something. But I drank that coffee and I talked to him about Jesus and Roy began to bawl like a baby. And Roy was saved. And his wife was saved. And his daughter was saved. I said, all right, now, you're going to come to First Baptist Church and you're going to sit on the front row where all the saved people sit. <coughs> and then we're going to, when the invitation is given, you come forward and we're going to present you a candidate for believer's baptism. He said, okay, me be there. Well, that... I told that deacon about it. I said, they ain't going to come to this church. They don't fit. He said, they're too dirty. They won't fit in there. I said, they'll be here. Sure enough, they were sitting on the front row that Sunday. And when that invitation was given, they came forward. 
presented themselves as candidates for believers' baptism. I told the church, now y'all come by and hug on them. I'm telling you, they stunk like you and never smelt nothing. And Roy was a hugger. He wanted to hug everybody. We baptized them, and they were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. They, they, he joined the WMU, if you'd let him. They was involved in everything there was there. After about a month, we did this training by Leon Kilbreth on Let's Go Soul Winning. In the third week of that, the whole session was on Eticacy, cleanliness, comb your hair, shave your face, brush your teeth, be clean so that you can look like something that God's got a hold of. Well, when it was over with, that deacon said, Roy won't be back. He ain't never been clean in his life. You've got him now. He won't be back no more. That's Sunday. I'm standing at the back door of the church and I look down the road and here comes an old boy in a blue suit. Had on that vest. Had that little mucka mucka in there, you know. <laughs> Tie. Pointed shoes. Here it comes. Thinking, who is it? He gets closer, it's Roy. Walked right up to me. Got me by the hand. He said, Brother Sam, you come to my house, tell Roy about Jesus. Roy, give his life to Jesus. Roy been saved. Roy heard you the other night. You said Roy needs to get clean. Be used for God. Roy wants to be used for God. And I'm telling you, all I had to do was take Roy and just march him up on the porch and just show him to people. And people would get saved just because Roy was clean for the first time in his life. And I don't know how many people we led to Jesus Christ just because Roy had a changed life. Years later, he passed away, and I went down there and preached his funeral. Pretty good-sized group in there. I don't know how many people in Mac come by and said, Oh, Roy, he led me to Jesus. Oh, Roy, he changed my life. One old boy come by and said, Roy, save me. <laughs> But he just made such an impact on their life. How many of you here got a sister or brother or aunt or uncle or a neighbor or a friend that's in an addictive behavior? Won't come to church. Won't listen to the word of God. Don't want to know anything about Jesus. 20 years ago when I moved to Hebner, I met a man like that. He run the Ron's Discount Lumber. His name was Ronnie Blake. Ronnie's probably the richest man in the floor county, maybe one of the richer men in the state of Oklahoma. He wouldn't go to church, wouldn't listen to the gospel. But I'd, I'd go in his office at this big business. It's a little old cubicle. It's just one door in there and no more doors out of there. And when I'd get in there, I'd block the door and he'd have to listen to me. I beg him to get saved. I'd get down on my knees. Tell him, Ronnie, you can give your life to Jesus. Well, he got to asking me questions. Where did 
Cain get his wife when he went out in the land of Nod, east of Eden? I don't know. I said, I know that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then he'd ask me some other brain-dead question they want to ask today, you know, and I'd tell him, I don't know. But I know for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I wore him down. And about 10 years ago, he started coming to church. He sat on the back row where all the sinners sit. (laughs) Then he moved up to the middle where the Methodists sit. (laughs) Three months ago, we had a, a revival out of this world. And he was sitting there with his wife. And God laid on my heart to go up and put my arm around him. You know, we don't have a whole lot of movement in church anymore. People just come in like they are and leave like they were. It just don't seem like there's a mighty move of God like there needs to be. There's not brokenness. And people aren't shedding tears over lost souls. The psalmist in the Old Testament said, does anybody care for my soul? And I think the world, John Q. Public world, the world that's so steeped in sin wonders, does anybody care for my soul? Does anybody really care? The ghost of that church, anybody involved in that ministry, do they really care? Do they really, really care? And I went up and put my arm around Ronnie and I told him, Ronnie, you don't want to die and go to hell. Tonight's a good time to come and give your life to Jesus. And he looked at me and he began to bawl like a baby. Now here is a million, multi-millionaire, 70 years old, but he's broken the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost of God. There aren't very much movement, not very many move, not much, not much compassion. Not, much, not many tears shed in the church. There's, there's, there's not much going on. We're, we're in control of our lives. I'm telling you, we need God to move in our midst. We need the Spirit of God to fall. We need the fire of God to fall from heaven. We need God to move. God don't move. We don't have a chance. He wouldn't go. I begged him to go, but he wouldn't go. I hardly could even sleep that night. The next day, I went to see him again and shut him in that cubicle. Man, I did lay him on there then. uh. And he came the next night, and the invitation was given, and he was... He kind of moved up a little bit. Maybe where the Lutherans sit. <laughs> and during the invitation, he kept pointing. There's about six, eight hundred people in there, and I thought, what in the world is he pointing at? And all of a sudden, here he comes, just broken, just bawling like a baby. Gets me around the neck, and he kisses me on the cheek. I'm glad he didn't kiss me on the lips. <laughs> And he gave his life to Jesus. And the Lord totally and radically saved him. I'm telling you, when when you're that popular of a man, 
His wife was saved that next day. That night we baptized both of them together and they put it on Facebook. 4,448 shares. Over 4,000 comments. How many, how many people do you think that's going to touch? When lives are changed, people are touched. I'm not bragging, but had I not invested in his life 20 years, he would still be on his way to hell. If you stop investing in that son's life, that daughter's life, that grandchild's life, that neighbor's life, if you stop, where I said I run a rescue center, hope center, shelter, sober living center. We take people off the street. They come in every day. About a year ago, we had a lady come in, and she was as skinny as you can be, hollow-eyed. She's a drug hoe. She's swapping her body for heroin. She's showing me the tracks on her arms. She's, she's a day away from death. Had on a little skimpy pair of shorts and a little skimpy deal, no shoes. We took her in, got her some clothes. She took a shower. We loved on her. We fed her. We helped her. We helped her get into a treatment center. I kind of forgot about her. I didn't even know her name. But I'm sitting there studying something on my phone, and I look up, and this beautiful, attractive young lady comes through the back door. On the street, you have a street name, Sunshine. That's what we called her. My brother, he knew her immediately. Sunshine, he said. <laughs> I thought, that ain't sunshine. <laughs> she came down and hugged me 14 times. She's free. She's straight. She's given her life to Jesus. She's got a chance. She's got hope because somebody invested in her life. Jesus is with a crowd. Y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Y'all alive? Say hallelujah. Y'all rather be here than milking a cow? Say glory to God. Glory to God. I'd rather be here in Walmart at 2 o'clock in the morning than all them people dressed up in them pajamas. Hallelujah. <laughs> Craziest thing I've ever seen. Weird world we live in. Put on your pajamas 2 o'clock in the morning and go to Walmart. Ah, I'm, I'm going, welcome to Walmart. <laughs> hey, they're friendlier than most of our churches. Jesus, he have been touching these blind eyes and they've been seeing. They've been touching these deaf ears and they've been hearing. He's been touching these crooked limbs and they've been straightening out. And he's been walking on the water and delivering these maniacs and changing these people's lives and setting these freaks free and doing all kinds of miracles that don't ever happen in church anymore and all kinds of great and mighty and powerful things that's happening and it's spread abroad that this dude, Jesus, man, you get close to him, he's going to change your life. Bartimaeus has been blind all of his life. He's never seen the sun come up or go down. He's never looked at a beautiful mule like Slim with them big brown eyes and them beautiful black lips. He's never seen anything. He's sitting on the roadside. Jesus is with all of his deacons. They're going out to minister. They go by him there and he says, Jesus! 
And Deacon said, shut up, boy. Jesus! Jesus! Jesus don't pay him no attention. Most of us would give up. We quit. We don't get no miracle. We just quit. We don't see nobody saved. We just quit. They ain't going to change. We just quit. They ain't never going to get off them drugs. We just quit. They ain't never going to quit whoring around. We just quit. They ain't going to stop. We just quit. We just quit today. But Barnabas wouldn't quit. He started in on it. Jesus, thou son of David. Jesus, thou son of David. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus said, this boy done pulling on my heartstrings now. Who is that? I took blind man over there. He won't shut up. The guy's a radical dude, man. He's a rapper. Jesus goes over there, touches his eyes. Immediately he sees. He touches his soul. Immediately he's born again. How do you think he reacted to that? You think he said, gloom, despair, and agony on me. You think he did that? I bet that sucker jumped 14 feet up off the ground, went running around telling everybody I was blind and now I see. I was lost and now I'm saved. I've been, I met this dude named Jesus. He changed my life. He, he delivered me from my blindness. He changed my direction. He made me a brand new career. Come on and we'll go through them deacons and I'll get you to him. Hallelujah. Y'all all right? I'm telling you, there ain't a person on this earth too far gone that King Jesus, he can't change their life. He can deliver the meth freak. I've seen him do it. He can deliver the heroin addict. I've seen him do it. He can deliver that little lady that's on that prescription drug, which to me is the worst drug out there. In my little town of 3,000 people, there are five marijuana dispensaries. Don't ever let anyone tell you that marijuana is okay. I know it supposedly has some good benefits, but the end results of that is that marijuana is a gateway drug. You use it a while, you're going to get on something else. Watched it 38 years. Seen it do my mama in jail, my daddy in jail, all my siblings in jail. All of them wind up in prison over that stuff. My brother says it's best. It's a monster. Any of it's a monster. Drinking and all. You start in on it, it'll destroy your life. Where? Where? I'm closing. I don't want to preach so long that your butt gets sore. <laughs> My little preacher is a fabulous little preacher, and I love him. I tried to train him right, but he preaches so long that my hind end gets so sore that my brain no longer will endure no more. <laughs> so I'm done. I'm through. And I ain't like one of them pilots that says I'm done and I land and take off again. I'm done. 
Every one of us in this room, we know someone that needs Jesus. We need to be telling them. We need to be praying for them. We need to be loving on them. We need to get them where they need to get, treatment center, rescue mission, sobriety, sober living place, church. You got to start with them somewhere. If I hadn't invested in Slim, he might not even be here. And I'd have missed 24 years of beautiful pleasure. Someone had invested in me, I probably wouldn't be saved. Jesus hadn't died for me on the cross, I'd have went to hell. But I didn't know that. And I didn't know how to get to Jesus. And I didn't know how to get through the stuff in life. But a man told me, and someone invested in me, and someone loved on me, and someone encouraged me, and someone took me to church, and someone taught me the Bible, and someone loved on me, and someone gave me a chance. As the worship team comes and gets us ready to worship, Roger's coming. He's your pastor and help you. You may need to give your life to Jesus. There wouldn't be any better day to be saved than today. But we've done this in the other two services, and I've I feel like we need to do it now. If, if, if you will make a commitment to pray for one of these, I won't know who their name is. I, I won't know them, but God in heaven knows them and God is able. If you will pray and believe and be broken and have humility and compassion, if you would come and touch my hand, let's all stand. Let's all stand. If you come and touch my hand and just breathe that name, I'm putting Daryl Cordokas' name. Daryl's a man I prayed for for 20 years. Needs Jesus. Would you come and, and I want to be praying for all the people. Of all, I don't know how many, you can ask Rogers to come in both services already. You don't, need to, you don't need to call out their name. But would you believe now, if you're not going to pray, don't come. If you're not going to believe, don't come. If you're not going to share, if you're going to give up on them. People say to me, they say, I give a guy $10 and he bought a six-pack of beer. Well, who cares? Are you giving him to buy that beer? Or are you giving him because you love Jesus? Who cares what he does with it? When you turn it loose, it's not yours no more. Turn them loose in Jesus' hands. Would you come right now? Not give up on them, not judge them, not be judgmental. Don't condemn, but just love. I see it work. I've seen it work for thousands of people. And it's going to take you, moms and dads and grandma and grandpas and neighbors and friends. Come on. As they begin to sing, come on. Come on. God bless all of you. Come on. Father, thank you. Fill us with your spirit. Empower us to live for you. And God, I pray that we would just have the boldness and the heart to follow through with those people you've laid on our heart. Help us to make a difference everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.